Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. A psychologist talks about what to do when the diagnosis is cancer. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Rev. Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. My name is Wayne Shepard, and we are going to talk with a psychologist in the program here today, Percy. But let me ask you, what does a psychologist have to do with cancer care? It's a great question, isn't it? Well, the, the subject today is processing a cancer diagnosis. And a psychologist really deals with the psyche. The psyche is thinking or thoughts, and you must use your thinking or your thoughts to process anything. So while processing a cancer diagnosis, it requires you to use your thoughts and what you're thinking. A psychologist simply helps people to process mm-hmm. through their thoughts and their thinking of what's going on with Yeah, them. they come alongside and they uh, they ask the questions that get us get us going in our mind, so to speak. Right? And it, it's an overwhelming term that sometimes leaves a negative stigma with people. And we want to destigmatize this term and this, and this function, quite frankly. Good point. All right. Well, we open with scripture each week here. You've got a passage right in front of you right now. I have a great spiritual nugget for today. Day that's going to tie right into this Romans, the 12th chapter, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, or in some other translations, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, not your spirit, but your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. How do we do that, Wayne? It we tells us think in verse, about it. Yeah. verse number two, it tells us, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We'll unpackage that a little bit later at the end of the show. All right, looking forward to that. Uh, David Wakefield, Dr. Wakefield is going to join us here today. He's the psychologist who's going to add to our conversation. He is. He's going to help us, number one, to destigmatize this term, and he's going to help us to understand the power of, of thoughts and thinking and how it can potentially impact us emotionally and how we work through negative things that we feel in here. All right. Once again, a psychologist talks about what to do when the diagnosis is cancer. So you stay with us now on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And while we take a break, go to our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Again, healthhopeandinspiration.com. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Call 855-929-HOPE to speak to an oncology information specialist about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Call 855-929-HOPE to learn more. Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Care that never quits. 
As you listen to our program today, remember, no case is typical. You should not expect to experience these same results. But let's talk with our guest today here. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Percy McRae. And Percy, tell us who our guest is. We have today with us David Wakefield, who's a Ph.D., of psychology uh, at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And today he's going to help us to understand uh, the principles uh, of mind-body medicine and supporting uh, cancer patients and their caregivers from a psychological perspective. Welcome to our show today, Doctor. Thank you. Good to be here. For me anyway, and I would imagine there are others that will be listening to the program would, would appreciate the distinction that there is a difference between the school of thought of psychology and psychiatry. Help us to understand the distinction and the difference between the two, if you don't mind, sir. Okay. Psychiatrists are medical doctors. They go to medical school, and they happen to specialize in the field of psychiatry in their during medical school, and they can write prescriptions. Some psychiatrists do... Um, therapy, but for the most part, it's mostly medication management. Uh, psychologists go um, do not go to medical school. Um, they're trained to do testing, assessment, and do a lot of therapy with uh, all sorts of groups, individuals, couples, families, children, um, do a lot of therapy work and testing and assessment. If you will, you, you work uh, very specifically with uh, cancer patients, their caregivers, and, and and a bevy of things that they're working through uh, being a cancer patient. Uh, how important is supporting people mentally who are working through the process of cancer? And before you answer, let me set it up this way, because particularly within the framework of some faith communities, talking about mental illness or uh, mental struck, uh, struggles around wellness and stress, anxiety, depression. There's a whole host of things that, that can go into that conversation. can be sometimes a rather taboo conversation that individuals try to steer clear of. Let's talk about the value and the role of supporting people mentally from a clinical perspective. In um, crisis intervention literature, it says that the number one predictor on how well people make it through a tough time, regardless of what the crisis is, is directly related to how much social support they have. So part of that social support can be myself as a therapist or caregivers, lay people. It can be the church. It can be pastors. It can be chaplains. Uh, it can be anybody. So one of the things that we do is help people deal with um, the diagnosis it's a huge shock to people. It's kind of like being the way a lot of cancer patients describe it. It's, been like, it's like being hit by a truck, um, and they have to adjust to that. Sure. I, I've heard a cancer patient say it this way. Cancer is the only word that you hear in loud, bold letters in your head that just reverberates as a shock to your system that you're not really prepared for. So, again, being hit by a bus. So there's a, there's a huge impact on that initial uh, effect upon someone psychologically and emotionally, obviously. Definitely. It's a huge shock. And here's the thing. You can go see a therapist and you don't have to have a mental health diagnosis to get help. That's an important distinction. Yes. And, um, you just need someone to talk to, someone to process, what does this mean? How am I going to handle it? What do I need to do now? What do I need to do on down the road? What kinds of things do I need to pull together to deal with what I've just been told? So, Seeing a therapist, having someone that you can talk to about, again, the mental shock or affect of, of getting that type of news does not necessarily mean that you're crazy, that there's something wrong with you mentally. 
Definitely. That does not mean that you even have a mental health disorder of some kind. Because, you know, there are sometimes there's a stigma that people have around any and all of those schools of thought that we want to eradicate today because this program is about empowering people, uh, providing good education for them so that they can be hopeful and ultimately be inspired to move through their process. So that's good to know at the end of the day. And we want our audience to really understand that. Uh, talk to us, if you will, about kind of what a normal day is for you. How are you engaged with patients? How do you get introduced to talking with a patient? And what can be some of those kind of typical uh, engagements that you have in interactions? Well, um, they've, been, they've made an appointment to see me. And so depending on where they are in the process, let's say they're a brand-new patient, mm-hmm. then I'm helping them adjust to diagnosis, um, decision-making in terms of a treatment plan, uh, what treatment plan to choose based on what the doctor shared with them. And then if they're um, a return patient, say somebody who's in the process of treatment, okay. dealing with the side effects of treatment and what impact that's having on them, their finances, their family. Um, the other thing about cancer is everybody who gets a cancer diagnosis had a life going on before the diagnosis. So we talk about all those issues in their life as well that are troublesome that might suppress their immune system through stress. So they can be as stress-free as possible so their immune system can be as strong as possible to heal their body, whether they're dealing with cancer or anything else. So, again, cancer patients are not just only dealing with cancer. Cancer is, in addition to whatever else may be going on in their lives or what they may be experiencing at the time. Definitely. It just may be one, one piece of their life. They're more than a cancer patient. And I think it's important to make that distinction because what I've heard uh, in many cases uh, of cancer patients saying, don't treat me like a cancer patient. You know, understand that I'm a human. I have other elements of things that are part of my life. And it sounds like the, the field of study that you get to execute uh, and operate in is really going to really encompass all of those other moving pieces of their of what was their normal life. And now they have a new normal, but those elements still haven't gone anywhere. They need to be at least looked upon, addressed, and, and, and in some cases counseled through. Definitely. So, so help me understand what's a typical counseling session. How does that work? Um, the, the base for me is building rapport, relationship, and trust. After I have a first session, my number one goal is have I related, connected with that person in such a way that they want to talk to David again? If I do that, I feel like I've been successful because then we can talk about anything that they need to talk about, want to talk about, or that I feel like um, it would be helpful for them to talk about. Um, when you build a relationship, you're trying to build a high level of trust so people can talk to you about things that they've never talked to anybody in their entire life about, bombshells, so to speak. Uh, people sometimes say, I've never told anybody in my life about this. And so process that with them, help them with it, and help them move through it and move beyond it. So how do you build trust with people? How do you do that? I'm, I'm sure that you just don't arbitrarily just – uh, enter into that conversation. There, there, there must be some uh, things to be mindful of that really helps to build trust, help our audience to understand, particularly for people who are supporting cancer patients and maybe they don't have access for whatever reason to someone uh, of your stature. How can we help build trust with people to help them unpackage some of their concepts and thoughts? I start out by uh, building rapport that is talking about things that they enjoy doing, whether they like to hunt or fish or whether it's a person who has grandkids and they like to spend time with their grandkids, whether they make quilts, whatever 
whatever it is that they do for fun. Okay. Just to get to know them, to help them relax, to help them understand that I'm a human being too. And it's just connection. Um, and then building trust is by being a good listener, mm. not being judgmental, mm. um, doing reflective listening like – I hear what you're saying, and and I communicate that with reflective listening, and then being empathetic, putting myself in their situation, what it would be like if I was experiencing what they're experiencing. Not giving sympathy, but being empathetic. Yeah, and there there really is a difference. Uh, affirming how a person feels and, and where they're located. And it's okay to feel that way, right. that that's part of being human. You're not weird because you feel that way. Let's jump the shark, if you will. When we talk about in some cases, people who have a faith orientation and a faith background tend to struggle through this dynamic a little bit that then gets associated with guilt, uh, something that I did or did not do. Uh, so I'm not really uh, God's beloved or I'm, I'm, I'm out of pocket with God. Uh, I'm, I would imagine that in some cases you've had to help unpackage some of those types of conversations with people. Definitely. On my uh uh, assessment for new patients and follow-up patients, I ask them to rate their relationship with God on a scale of 0 to 10, really? 5 is average. Okay. And if it's below 5, I'll say, you know, if this, I notice you marked your relationship with God as a 3, what would it take to move that from a 3 to a 3.5? Wow. And so we have that discussion, and for everybody, that's different. Um, what I'm really looking for in their spiritual journey is, is their spiritual journey a resource for them that's going to help them fight cancer mm. and get well? Or is their spiritual journey becoming a stumbling block for them and it gets in their way? And it's not only not a resource, but it's one of the issues we need to work on so it can move from a problem to a resource. What, what's one big thing that you would like to leave our listening audience with today about the work that you do, psychology, counseling, and, and helping cancer patients and or their caregivers uh, get to a point of the possibility of wellness and wholeness in their lives. Unfortunately, there's still somewhat of a social stigma of going to a mental health provider, but there's a lot of ways that people can get help. Let's say you don't want to go see a psychologist, sure. okay? Do you have a friend who is a good listener who's not judgmental? Women are so good at having female relationships where they can connect and the other person can listen and not be judgmental. Could you go to a support group? Could you find a male friend that you could go fishing or hunting with and just have a good, honest talk with? Um, could you get alone in God's presence and just tell him or her how you feel? Sure. You know. So there's other ways to get help than by going to therapy that are therapeutic and can be very effective if you don't want to go see a mental health provider. And that's where caregiving is so important, is to have somebody who cares enough to take the time to listen. People are so busy, we often don't take time to listen. And then when we do, people often say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, um, just being a good listener is therapeutic. I had a gentleman in my office, and he talked for 55 minutes nonstop. I hardly said a word. I don't think I said much beyond hello. How you doing? And when he finished, he said, you have helped me so much today. I didn't say half a dozen words. <laughs> so just being a good listener is probably something that almost anybody can do if they're willing to try. Thank you, Dr. Wakefield, today for being with us, for your years of experience and expertise. And, uh, and the big takeaway today is, if nothing else, we should, we should practice being good listeners yeah, today. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. God bless you for the yeah. work that you Thanks do, you, sir. Thank you, man. All right. Take care. Yeah.
If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Care that never quits. So glad to have you listening today to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Percy McRae is Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And Percy, we have a lot to unpack with that conversation with Dr. Wakefield just now. It was a powerful segment that's going to really help a lot of people of faith when we really dig into what psychology, psychiatry, what are the benefits of that? It's a very powerful conversation. And you touched on this even before the interview, but you certainly talked about it with Dr. Wakefield, how you know there's a certain stigma attached to talking with a psychologist, but there shouldn't be. Yes, historically, and I'm going to even speak specifically from my own background and orientation, you never had a conversation as a person of faith in the environment that I grew up in about seeing a counselor or psychiatry or psychology or any of those types of schools of thought. I think that much of it was just a lack of knowledge and insight and understanding. And the other element of it is the perception of it not being spiritual. Mm -hmm. Because, again, that, that doesn't sound spiritual in terms of our typical language that we're accustomed to using from a theological and spiritual perspective. Then we tend to, in many cases, disregard as not being spiritual. But one of the uh, powerful things that Dr. Wakefield shared with us is that one can see a therapist but not necessarily have to have a mental health diagnosis. Sure. Hallelujah. That's refreshing. It, it is refreshing. <laughs> Basically, again, it's okay for people to say I'm struggling with things in my thoughts and in, and in my mind. I need to sit down and talk to someone. I need to have someone hear me and help me process. Again, one of the uh, things that we're talking about with today's show is processing a cancer diagnosis. Should we, Wayne, should we expect a person who's walking a normal day and they're told that they have cancer and possibly life-threatening and not struggle with processing yeah. that? How can life be the same after that, <laughs> right? So let's let's destigmatize that right now. And to our audience, let's not be afraid to give people permission to say, listen, psychologically, I'm struggling processing hearing that. I need to talk to someone. I need someone to sit and listen to me. And that is primarily the role of a psychologist in this context. Right. And we often talk about spiritual support here in the program. And I remind our listeners that that spiritual support is available when and if it's desired. It's not pushed on anyone. Right. Again, at the end of the day, true spiritual impact has to be an intrinsic element of, of identification and ownership. So you can't force spiritual practices on people who don't truly embrace and own that. You need to give them permission to, to let you know that they're not yeah. located there. And when they're willing and ready, then you can possibly approach that at a different time. And we honor that. We, we certainly do. And respect it. Uh, another form of support, though, that Dr. Wakefield talked about was social support, critically important. He said, listen to this, the number 
number one predictor of managing a crisis is correlated with how much social support one has. Here's the principle. God created us to be social creatures. We use the term fellowship in the Christian circles. We love the <laughs> fellowship. <laughs> fellowship is another fancy word for socialization. Let right, me just go right, ahead. and sure. So with that being said, it makes sense then, particularly from a spiritual perspective, that fellowship is so important to us. I believe it's the Greek word prosuke, you know, in the to the face. Oh, you're, you're going deep on us yeah, here today. Yeah, it's huh? intimacy. <laughs> it's, it's being in the face of, of or in the presence of others uh, like you who share like thoughts and values and et cetera. Well, when we talk about the fact that when a crisis comes, believers, people of faith, we have crisis. Things happen in our lives. Bad things happen to good people, uh, which was written a great book written by Rabbi Harold Kushner that helped us even as believers, just because we are walking the walk and we're keeping the faith. It does not negate us from having to experience crisis in our lives and and negative circumstances that take place. Well, if that's true and from a psychological perspective, that uh, the number one predictor of managing a crisis is correlated with how much social support one has, we need to, first of all, embrace. Embrace the fact that negative things happen to us and how do we manage that and how are we socially supporting each other without it being a negative or, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you're feeling that or thinking that. We've got to take the judgmental element out of this so that we can get back to getting to the raw nerve center of what that dynamic is and providing people with good support to manage through that. Well, closely tied with this is something else that Dr. touched on, and that is that he tries to build a, a trust factor with those that he works with and build a relationship, we all need to be doing that with our friends who are going through a cancer treatment or a diagnosis or... Well, what is the core of our faith as believers is that ultimately we trust and believe that God loves us. We trust and believe that that God is with us. There's trust is important to any uh, significant relationship that one truly buys into and gives himself over to. So again, on a social or fellowship perspective, we need to begin to make sure that we create environments of trust with those that we are engaging so that they can truly open up, share their thoughts, be honest and be transparent and not judge or condemn them, even if we disagree with what it is that they're in conflict with. And often that begins with just listening. And I have a friend who loves to say the best way to show someone you love them is to listen to them. It's, it's interesting that God gave us two ears and one mouth. I'm going to let you do <laughs> yeah. the math on that. <laughs> because, again, we, we tend to do so much more talking than we really need to do listening. And when I go back through the, the, the scriptures and, and the synoptic gospel of Jesus, I look at how much he listened yeah. to the people that he encountered. The woman at the well, he listened to her before he began to speak. Uh, Zacchaeus, he listened to him. Again, it's an important element of ministry that we all could probably practice doing more of than the opposite. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And again, Again, that's our spiritual nugget. You're right on, Wayne. Romans 12, that helps to put this whole conversation into a a proper context. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us, I beseech you, or as other translations would say, I am begging you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. We need to do something with our bodies as well as our spirits as a living sacrifice, the word tells us, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Verse 2 is the key here. 
and be not conformed. The word conformed is talking about taking on and embracing what the world or our circumstances may be trying to tell us that we are and we can be. We have to be conformed, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, be changed by the renewing of our mind. In many cases, we're not going to be able to change our circumstances or our situations until we first begin to work on renewing our thoughts and how we feel about our situation. And then it tells us that then you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is talking about what we do with our thoughts and our thought life and our thinking. And in some cases, we may need to have help and assistance from those that will help us process a cancer diagnosis or whatever the negative situation is that we're facing. What a valuable time to spend together here today with Percy McCray and our guest, Dr. David Wakefield. Uh, Percy is Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. More information at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, or by calling toll-free 855-929-HOPE. Mention you listen to the radio program, 855-929-4673. And join us again for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Call 855-929-HOPE to speak to an oncology information specialist about questions you may have about your treatment options. Or visit healthhopeandinspiration.com. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. To learn more, call 855-929-HOPE or visit healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Care that never quits.